morning, everyone. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to share with you God's Word today. I'm Pastor Chris Singer, and I've had an opportunity to serve as a pastor for 20 years and been in ministry, and uh, now I'm serving as the President and CEO for Lutheran Church Charities. A couple funny things about that is that when I uh, received the call and I accepted the call, uh, one of the things that they were really curious about is, you know, you've been a pastor. So you've been in churches this whole time, and now you're going to be doing kind of more of this business side of things. Isn't that going to be different and weird for you? And uh, I showed up for the interview uh, to the office, and if you know where our office is in Northbrook, you know that it is a former Lutheran congregation. And so I walked into the office building, and I said, this does not feel different at all. It feels very much the same. Uh, But one of the things that is different is that I'm not preaching every Sunday. Uh, In fact, my last sermon was in December, so I'm just kind of caveating that in case this is really bad. There's a little bit of rust i got to shake off, but I'm really, really happy that Pastor Larry gave me the opportunity to share with you about our text today. And I want to ask you, how's your vision? Are you able to see clearly? That's the question. How many of you know the gorilla test? How many of you know about the gorilla test? Okay. You've got to Google this, YouTube it, watch it when you get home, and I'm going to, spoiler alert, you're going to see it because I'm going to tell you about it, but I've got to tell you what happened. Two PhDs did a test, and they had some uh, people in, a, in white t-shirts and people in black t-shirts with a basketball, and they filmed them walking all in a circle and making passes to people on their team with two different basketballs, and they then invited some participants to come in and watch this video. And some of the assignments they gave the participants was, okay, we want you to watch all of the white-shirted teams count how many passes they made. And so the participants did that. The next group of people came in. They said, okay, watch how many people in the black T-shirts make passes. How many passes did you see? They'd watch this video. The third group, they said, we want you to count how many bounce passes you see versus chest passes. So the participants all got done doing this, marking their answers down. And afterwards, they interviewed all the participants, and they said, did you notice anything strange in the video? And nearly half of the participants said, no. But in fact, they did see something very strange. In the middle of these teams making all of these passes, into the video walks this person dressed in a gorilla suit. The gorilla catches the pass and then looks at the camera, beats the chest, and then walks off camera. But nearly 50% of people never even saw the gorilla. You know why? They coined this term spiritual, they coined this this phrase, inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness. And the inattentional blindness happens to us every day, and it's when we're focused on one thing, we actually miss something that could be right in front of our eyes because we're so focused on one thing. And it happens to us every day. If you have been watching a television program or a movie and not noticed that somebody came into the room in intentional blindness, perhaps maybe you've been so engrossed into a book that somebody started talking to you and you didn't really realize that they were talking to you because you were inintentionally blind to something outside of what you were focused on. And some of these consequences are, are not that bad. Some of them are more serious, like husbands. I don't need to say any more. But at other times, it can be more serious, and you've heard a lot about this. It's called distracted driving, and it's because we're on our cell phone. And when we're on our cell phone, you have a distraction. You're focused on this. You're not focused, and you're not seeing maybe a red light or a pedestrian coming out in front of you. 
And so inintentional blindness can have some serious consequences. But I want to talk to you today about what causes that inintentional blindness, and then I want to focus in on something very specific about our text. Because our text from the Gospel of Mark is all about inintentional blindness and about having a pure heart. First of all, what clouds our vision? Well, that's science that tells us a couple things. First of all, your brain is actually made by God to focus, have the ability to focus in on things. And when you focus in on things, one of the ways that you create focus for the brain is you unfocus or deselect other things so that you can maintain focus on the one thing. So it actually is a function that is actually very helpful for you. However, other things can affect that as well. Things like being tired, fatigued, brain capacity. Those kinds of things have an opportunity to impact your ability to see things clearly. But it's spiritual and inattentional blindness that really is our focus today. We can become spiritually so tuned out to things that are right in front of us that we miss it. And this has been the problem since the very beginning of time, since the very beginning of when sin entered the world. Remember Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve are there in the garden, and they're staring at what? They're staring at the fruit. They're staring at the apple. And they become so singularly focused on this apple and what it could give to them, that being wisdom. They're so tuned into this wisdom that what are they missing? God's command? They start losing focus on the entire garden that God has provided for them for all of their needs because they're so singularly focused on this one thing. And what the eternal consequence is at stake is that sin comes in and that sin clouds our hearts. And one of the things that we can miss that leads to that eternal consequence is Jesus. And that's the warning of our gospel text today. Now before we get into that, just really quickly, I'm going to mention a group who is suffering from spiritual inattentional blindness. And I think it's going to be the tendency for most of us who have been around the scriptures at periods of time throughout our life to hear the name of this group and automatically think that that's not us. And if that happens to you in the next few moments, I just want you to know that you are now suffering from spiritual inintentional blindness because you've suddenly seen yourself as an exception to what is common to every single sinner. So as you listen to this group, this group is the Pharisees. The Pharisees are suffering from spiritual inintentional blindness. And they we understand why and what that's about because we see what they see right away in verse 2. Jesus' enemies watched him closely. What are the Pharisees focused on? Jesus. That doesn't seem like a bad thing, does it? They're focused on Jesus. Aren't we supposed to be focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? They're focused on Jesus. That's a good thing, except we're tipped off right away that this is not a good thing because what are they called? Jesus' enemies. Just keep in mind for a second, we are not talking about atheists. We are not talking about hedonists. We're not talking about those kinds of people. We are talking about God's people. We're talking about the Pharisees. They are God's people. They are the leaders within God's people's worship. And here's what they're looking for. We find out that it's their intent and their motive of what they're focused and watching for. They're watching to see if Jesus is going to heal this guy with a deformed hand. And then they're going to accuse him of doing something wrong. They're going to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And what they miss are three things. They miss the man, they miss the moment, and they miss 
the Messiah. First, they miss the man. They may have been using this man as a prop, but they don't care about him. They're so focused in to see if they can catch Jesus doing something wrong, they're completely oblivious to who this man really is. And so they miss the man. And because they miss the man, they actually are missing the mission. They're missing the very mission of God. You see, the mission of God is people. That's who the target of God's mission is all about, people. And they're not seeing that. They miss the man. They miss the mission. And chances are, one commentator comments that chances are they're not alone in terms of not seeing this man anymore. He said that a lot of worshipers see people who are sinners like this and begin to make judgments that his deformed hand, which by the way would have been present every single Sunday when they did the common act of raising hands in prayer. Can you imagine what that experience would have been like for this man with a deformed hand? And every Sunday he's up there and it's up there for everybody to see. But what happens is that people make judgments. Oh, this man must be a really bad sinner and that's why that happened to him. Or his parents must have done that kind of sin. Or we start making all kinds of judgments about that person that, quite honestly, we begin to fail to see who that person is. I wonder, are we guilty of that? Do we get guilty at looking at someone's brokenness, someone's lostness, someone's sin, someone's stuckness, that we start missing them as an individual? We get so focused on them and we see them more as a distraction to worship than actually being a blessing and having the opportunity to receive a blessing and seeing them as a sinner just like us. We as a church suffer from unintentional blindness because we come too focused on a person's sin and miss the value of the person. The second thing that the Pharisees missed was the moment. They're in worship. It's what we're doing right now. This is a moment that we have together. And that moment is all about celebrating life. It's all about celebrating God and worshiping. It's about confession. It's about the opportunity of being rejuvenated in fellowship. It's about healing. And yet, these Pharisees, their unintentional blindness has brought them to worship with an agenda. I know that never happens in church anymore. They came to worship with an agenda. It was not about any of those things. It was about who was doing worship right, who was saying the right thing, who was saying the wrong thing. In fact, they had elevated their traditions and their interpretations of the Scripture to be equal with that of God's clear command. And so the Sabbath had actually become a burden to people instead of a blessing. Is it any wonder then that people had stopped coming to worship? Who wants to go to worship to be judged whether or not you're doing it right or doing it wrong? Jesus asked this question, remember, in the New Testament. Was Sabbath created for man or man for Sabbath? What's the point of worship? And so these Pharisees, they missed this moment. In fact, they are so concerned about what is lawful that what they miss is what would be merciful. And they knew what God had already wanted from them, from the prophet Micah. The prophet Micah said, God has already told you people what he expects from you. This is what the Lord wants from you. 
the Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you, it is to do right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And how many of us get focused on the to do right? We become all about doing right, and we forget about this other passage that goes on to say, in loving mercy and walking humbly with our God. The text warns us that we are not to consider our faith to be only about outward actions, but that we must consider the condition of our heart. In fact, James 1.27 puts both of these things together. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, outward actions, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, inward. We must have our attention on both outward and inward, and we're going to see in just a second how connected those really are. All right, so we've seen that the Pharisees missed the man, therefore they missed the mission. We've seen that the Pharisees missed the moment, therefore they've missed mercy and worship. But here's the most tragic thing of all, they miss the Messiah. They miss Jesus. They're so focused on their agenda, they don't recognize that the life and salvation they need is standing right in front of them. Even after Jesus considers them, asks them to consider mercy, even Jesus asks them, hey, did you guys stop to think about mercy here? They can't even answer him. And what they end up doing is they watch him heal the man, and as soon as they have their agenda and what they wanted, the text says that they left and they plotted to destroy Jesus. I love what one commentator said. He says, the irony could not be richer. Here are the Pharisees worrying about this life-restoring activity that Jesus does by healing this man's hand. And they're so angered by that, and what do they do? They turn right around and they make plans to kill Jesus. The irony. All of this is proof that we have been blinded. We have spiritual intentional blindness because our hearts are clouded with sin. We've been deceived. Just three chapters later, Jesus says these words. Sin comes out of a person's heart. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these things come from within. They are what defile you. Here's the good news. Because in this story, on that day, there was one person there who had a pure heart. His name is Jesus. Jesus shines brighter. Jesus shines purer than all the angels in the sky. And it is Jesus who is there. And I want to quickly show you what Jesus sees so clearly that day. Jesus absolutely saw the man. He saw that man there, and he sees him as a person. And he sees him as a mission of the Father. Mark 3 says, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. How many of you would have wanted to be that guy right there? Come be the object lesson right up here in front of everybody. But what Jesus is doing is Jesus is inviting him to be seen, which is something that they haven't done. And Jesus is calling it to their attention to focus in on what has been invisible. And I want you to know that that is Jesus. Jesus does not suffer from unintentional blindness. He has his eyes on you. You are not invisible to him. He sees you. He knows you by name. 
Even when a hair drops from your head, he knows it because he's tuned in to you. And with that invitation, Jesus brings him forward to be seen by everyone. And Jesus also recognizes that this is a moment for mercy. It's in the text in Matthew where this same event is told, and Jesus tells this, or asks this question. He asks all of them looking at this man, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? Jesus is placing value on this man. These Pharisees wouldn't have batted an eye if a sheep fell into a ditch and they had to go and get it. That would have made sense to them. But they're going to completely ignore the opportunity for this man to be healed. And Jesus immediately says, wait a minute. There is value in this moment, and it is a value of mercy. And aren't you glad that Jesus feels that way about us? Because Romans 5.8 says, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, here's the point of this. It's not your perfection that gives you value in God's kingdom. Let's say that again. It is not your perfection that gives you value in God's kingdom. What gives you value in God's kingdom is Jesus' perfect love for you. That's it. That's what gives you value. And brothers and sisters, that's what gives people value, period. Is because God so loved who? The perfect or the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever dies whoever believes in him will not die but will have eternal life finally jesus clearly sees himself as the messiah jesus turned to the pharisees that day and asked does the law permit good deeds on the sabbath or is it a day for doing evil is this a day to save life or to destroy it but they wouldn't answer him he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts and then he said to the man hold out your hand so the man held out his hand, and it was restored. That's because Jesus knows his mission. He is the Messiah. He came that day to rescue, to save, and to heal, just as he stands before you this day to rescue and to heal, to save, and to forgive you. That's who we have in Jesus. So, as we wrap this time up, let's figure out what this means. What does this mean? Well, first of all, we need corrective lenses for our cloudy hearts. We've got to see the connection of the sin in our hearts and how it blinds us spiritually. Matthew 5.8 says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for what? They will see God. Without pure hearts, you will not see God. But with hearts that are pure, you will be able to see clearly. And you will not only be able to see God clearly, when you see God clearly, you will see yourself clearly, and you will see one another clearly. And that is what God wants for us today, to have a pure heart. Well, how do we get that? Well, first of all, having a pure heart simply means living in the forgiveness that God gives to us through Jesus. And I want to end by sharing with you the process of receiving a cleansed heart. It was actually laid out for you in our epistle lesson. First John. Three steps. First of all, see that you don't see clearly. That's the first thing that you got to do. You got to recognize that you're not seeing things clearly. Verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. If you say, I don't have a vision problem, I, I see everything real clearly. They're wrong and I'm right. 
you got a problem. <laughs> to deny your blindness is to deny your healing. Confession is accepting and admitting that Jesus' diagnosis of you and your vision and your eyesight is correct. Second, saying that you didn't see clearly, 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us as our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Confess means to say it out loud, to give voice. And I want to ask you, why is it so powerful? It's so powerful because when you say it out loud, you bring it out of the darkness and you bring it into the light. When you say it out loud, you're accountable now to yourself, to God, and to others. That's why we take time in our service to confess. And then finally, wear the prescriptive lenses of a pure heart. Put them on. It's not just saying, yep, I had bad vision, I'm sorry about that, I'm done. God gives you corrective lenses. That's empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's driven by His Word. So first, are you aware of God's Word? Are you studying God's Word actively? Be involved with God's Word. And don't just choose the passages that fit you already, the passages that make sense to you. Look at the passages that don't make sense to you, because chances are you're not seeing something that you need to see yet. And allow God's Word to direct you. Let the love of Jesus open the eyes of your heart so that you can see others the way He sees them. What would your day look like tomorrow? How would it be different if you woke up and first person you encountered, you said, hmm, I wonder what Jesus thinks of this person. Might help your marriage. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you move from moment to moment in the mission of mercy, compassion, presence, and proclamation of Jesus to those who are around you who are hurting, suffering, and in need. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ready. Be ready. I'm going to close with two things. The first thing I didn't share with the other two services, but I'm already starting to turn my focus a little bit and thinking from this moment and these words, uh, I'm about to leave for a week to go down with 10 of our teams to go down to Uvalde. It is the one-year anniversary of the shooting that happened in Uvalde. And we're going to go down there and spend time there. And I don't know what the Lord has in mind for us. I've seen the schedule. I've seen some of the appointments, but I have no idea. And even as I'm preaching this, I'm thinking, wow, what an opportunity for me to be able to practice what I preach, to be able to do these very things. Be flexible and open to where the Spirit would open a conversation. See people as Jesus sees them, and to go with the whole counsel of God. You may not be going to Uvalde, but you're going into your week this week. What does it look like for you to put on that corrective lenses, to have a pure heart, and to live that out. So, having encountered God's word today, I want to invite you to receive a very special blessing. I invite you to please stand up. And this blessing is really connected to our message today about having a pure heart. It comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And so may your hearts be pure and flooded with light so that you can see clearly the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Amen.
uh, this morning as I'm looking for my bulletin, where did I put it? 